Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisila. Everybody and uh, welcome to Business Unusual, uh, the podcast by Bicurian Consulting, where we talk to professionals, uh, founders, and CEOs who are being part of making a difference, doing things in a new way. And this week, I am—I'm not going to lie—super excited to have uh, Dr. Janine Stitcher and Scott Schutte. Um, did I say that correctly? Yep, got it. The Healthy Behavior Institute, because I personally am very focused on trying to make healthy decisions in general. And I know that uh, I'm not alone. So um, I'd love to have you guys uh, introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about what you're up to, and then we can kind of get into more of it. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, I have been, my doctorate is in behavior change and human behavior and, and, and how we can uh, take strength-based approaches to helping people meet the goals that they want. And like you referenced, healthy behavior or just modifying things. And so I've been um, working as everything from a researcher to an educator to a clinician, working directly with clients for the last over two decades. And fitness and health is such a passion of mine because it seems to be such a foundation for any of the other things that we want to do. If we want to be amazing CEOs and leaders of our business or just leaders of our family and all of those types of things, having that health and wellness um, as a foundation really allows us to have the energy, the capacity, the creativity, uh, and, and just the stamina to do many of the things that we want. And uh, so for me, that's just a really exciting place in looking at putting behavior change and how to do that more effectively in the health and wellness industry, uh, I think is long overdue and really exciting. And that's uh, why I partnered with Scott and he can give his origin story and then how we kind of got together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so my background is very different. I've been personal training for eight, eight, 18 years now. I've been a gym on over 12 and about a decade ago, I met with uh, Dr. J and she was actually a client and through discussions, figuring out what she did. And I was like, this is something that's not talked about much in our space. Mm -hmm. Like I've been through a lot of educations. I've been through a lot of trainings and um, I've, I felt like I was learning a lot of different things and it was a lot more on just like, you know, the nutrition side, the exercise size, the, the program design side. But, but what we talk about and one thing she talked is this, there's this information to implementation gap. And so, mm -hmm. um, so many people like learn the pieces of information of like, here's what I should to do, but like, how do we actually apply this to, to how do, how can I do this on a daily basis? So how do I take in, um, either for me personally or for me working with clients of, of my behavior, my environment, and my lifestyle. And it's mm -hmm. something we've come together because we really want to change the way that the fitness industry works in the sense of it's very hardcore, like let's do this major diet. It's very hardcore, like let's work out all this, you know, all these times, let's do these 30-day challenges, all these things. But, but really to really change habits and to um, have people have sustainable uh, results is like it's just making small adjustments and it's, it's making it fit for the person. And, and with this, um, we put a program together that we're, we're coaching other coaches on how to do this because they're the ones that are in the fields working with people and, and where we can really kind of change this overall approach to fitness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, so I'll confess when I was in my early twenties, I thought, well, I got to get a handle on my, my diet, but um, I'm not, I, I, I like to say I'm evolutionary, not revolutionary, like big changes just don't stick for me. So I was like, well, I'll make, I'll make better choices. That was, that was where I started. And my better choices, the first better choice that I set for myself was I'm going to eat less, not none, less raw cookie dough this week. <laughs> that was, that was better choice. Number one. And, but it did, I mean, I, I go back up and down, but, um, but it led from that to like a few years later, I was super fit. Like I ran a half marathon. Um, I went, 
uh, mountain climbing with a friend, although it, it was sort of an accident. I didn't realize what I was doing, uh, <laughs> but I was fine because I was so fit. Right. But it started with these very simple, better choices, like what you're talking about, stuff that I could really integrate into my daily life. And I find that when I don't do it that way, I end up in a cycle of shame and despair, which is not great in my experience. <laughs> um, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And what we see is that, uh, you know, and I always say, like, never heard anyone come and say, either I'd like to lose weight. And then after I lost it, I'd like to gain it back. No one says I want to get healthier. But then once I am, then just get unhealthy again, like, that's never anybody's goal. And some of these extreme changes sort of create that cycle that you talked about. And then in the behavior research, there's actually a whole line of science around the fact that if we go through the same patterns over and over again, sort of what people maybe call the yo-yo diet or the extreme and then stop, over time, we actually become mentally, if not physically, but mentally more resilient to the change. And so we do, I really want to take care of people of not going through that cycle of shame and self-doubt and self-esteem because as with so many things, there's not one approach that works for everyone. And if your girlfriend did it or a guy at work or your sister and it worked for them, you know, the two questions I always tell people is, did it work for them and last for them? And then the second thing is, even if it worked for them, you are different. So what do you need that's more going to fit your personality? Uh, some, some people like to go, go, go. Other people like to go slow. So just kind of putting all of those factors together. And it sounds like mm -hmm. you had a good instinct on some of your tendencies and how to make those small changes that would work for you. Yeah, no, it was, it was a interesting to realize that. And what actually I realized was when I, I've, you know, sort of had some disruption in life and got less healthy. And so then I wanted to be back where I had been after those years of small choices. And that's when I realized like, oh, I can't do this. The heart, like I would keep putting myself where I had been instead of going through the process to get back there, which I think it does go quicker when I reset. But if I try to just be back at, I run marathons, I injure myself. <laughs> like I have to, there's a whole thing that's going on. And I don't know, aging, I'm a little older now, it turns out what you can do at 20 and what you can do at 40 may or may not be aligned exactly the same. <laughs> and so, like you said, being present, I think does really help. How do so you I think you're, I think your uh, your cookie dough is a good example of like two of our main concepts that we use. Like the first one I'll drive, drive, dive into is that kind of minimal effective dose. So like when you talked about just cutting back a little bit, I think that's so important because most people are like, I'm going to cut out all sugar. And I'm like, well, does that mean no fruit too? You know, it's just, it's, it's funny that people are like, instead of just like cutting back a little bit to, to make a slight trend in the right direction, they, they go to these extremes of like, well, I'm going to go keto. Or I'm going to go, you know, whatever it is. And, and what they see, they can do that for 30 days, but not beyond that. And the other main concept, and I'll let Dr. J dive into this is more of this kind of like, um, what's the root cause of these behaviors. And mm -hmm. so if you want to jump into that, yeah, so real briefly, in the behavior science literature and just what I've been using in, in my entire practice for the last couple of decades is this notion that there are four root causes um, to all of our, to any behavior, to behavior. And the trick is, is if you, so behavior doesn't persist unless it's serving you a purpose is sort of my, my point there. And so within that, um, what it means is that even eating cookie dough or whatever, I'm eating it for a reason. And people are like, oh, I just got a bad habit. Well, it might have become a habit, but you're, it doesn't persist if it's not serving you. So uh, it's called the eats model. So for example, if I take cookie dough and say, okay, you're eating cookie dough, is it to escape? Meaning, is it something you do at the end of the day, you just plop down the couch, you're tired, you're stressed, and it's sort of this um, way for you to um, just sort of think about something else and, and, and just, and I'm, I'm doing my cookie dough. Is it attention? Meaning I have a roommate or someone else, we both love cookie dough or we like to snack. And so we sit down and that's my gig. So it's a connection. Is it tangible? Like I've had a hard day and I deserve some cookie dough. Like I was good all day and I, I deserve that. And then sometimes it's sensory. Uh, that tends to happen less with cookie dough, but sort of like a, 
that mashed potatoes that reminds you of grandma's. And so there's a sensory. If you figure out why you do the behavior, like what purpose it's serving, then you just match the replacement with that. So if it is escape, then what else would you enjoy doing for escape? Do you have things that you enjoy for fun? Or um, if it's for attention, meaning connection with someone else, what else could you do with that person? So it's easier to, to have replacements that still serve the same purpose because your needs still need to be met. Mm -hmm. So if we tell somebody like, oh, you're stressed at the end of the day and you're doing this for escape, don't do that. Well, I still need to escape. I need to decompress, I need that. Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of what we look at is why does that current behavior happening? And then what else could you do that would still serve that same purpose? And when we do that, we feel like we're sacrificing less. We don't feel restricted. And the other thing is you don't have to replace it 100% to your point. There just might be sometimes I do this to connect with someone else. So sometimes I might change and connect with them another way. And then other days, I just feel like I deserve cookie dough. And I'm going to sit down and I'll have some cookie dough. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Well, and I found that for myself, it, like when I was, I used to be a, a long distance runner, and I may someday do that again. But I rarely left the house for a five mile run. Because I just know myself. And that's where I start to get into that cycle of like, oh, that's a lot. So I had I had like very specific rules, like if I was doing a run, I had to get my running clothes on, and I had to walk out the door. That was it. As long as I did that, it was a win. And then, you know, since I was out there, I might as well run to the end of the street, you know, and since I ran to the end of the street, I could go to that tree or blah, blah, blah. And the next thing I knew, I'd done three, four or five miles. Not the first time, obviously, but as I was more into it. But I just don't like for some reason, like I've, I've had a, a friend who was very much like hardcore. Like She needed it to be I'm going to the gym for an hour and a half, five days a week. And it was like this intense, like I'm going to die. And she that was that fed her. And that shut me down every time. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't do it. But by doing my little trick, whatever it was, of like these short things, I was pretty consistent. I did that. I, I achieved it. But I just couldn't start up with I'm going to do the whole thing. I don't know. My, that's how my brain works. <laughs> and it's, it's funny you're saying that, too, because it's another term that uh, Dr. Jay's taught me. It's just habit stacking. And so it's one of these things that we use with clients on trying to get them to start a new habit is taking something that they originally, they already have, and then add the smallest things to it. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking yeah. about of like, maybe it's like when you get up in the morning and then you're like, I'm just going to put on my running shoes. So I'm just going to put on my running shoes, then go outside. And then the next day I'm going to put on my running shoes, go outside and then like um, go down to the, the end of the street and back. And so it's, it's, it's funny. It's like, um, this is a term that's used that we, we actually teach people how to do this, but it's just kind of that stacking Mm-hmm. Um, because it gets people kind of forming new habits. Yeah, and that's and that's cornerstone to any if if there's ever a behavior that you want to exhibit long term, the research calls it scaffolding your behaviors. But nobody habit stacking just sounds simpler and cleaner and some good <laughs> it books on it. Nicely. So, yeah, it, it's just um, talk about translating the research for it. Sometimes I was like, really, um, but anyway. And so it, 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 there is a huge premise on that of building that and building those behaviors incrementally, because then they sustain. And if you think about how we've learned to do anything, even as children, uh, that's how we learn to read. It's how motor coordination works. It's how we constantly build upon things. You know, it's that uh, crawl to stand to walk to, you know, all of those types of things. So it's very logical. And if we just go back to those roots of how humans function, uh, we can get a whole lot done. And it's not that complicated once you kind of know the parameters. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. Well, and one of the things that I'll cycle back when you started talking about, you know, helping people figure out how to integrate things into their functionality. I mean, in a lot of ways, that was parenting, right? Like my kids were very different people, but obviously, like I wanted to give them both tools to navigate life. And so I had to figure out what's happening for them and how do I meet them in their world and then help them be invested in some way in some of these things that they'll need to do, like get a job and pay their taxes that, you know, kind of you have to do. <laughs> you may not be jazzed about it. Right. Um, and, and every I remember one time in the middle school here, they have these things they called access. I don't know if they do that where you are, but the students have to choose, they get free time and they get to choose these different short term experiences. And it's a way to get exposed to different activities and interests. And it's really cool. And I just remember driving the kids over and one of them was like, I was like, you child, 
cannot sign up for more than three of these activities. And the other child, I was like, and you must sign up for at least one. And I was like, and that right there is like, they're different people, right? <laughs> but the, 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 the goal of the thing that this school was doing, I, was, I thought I was really behind that. I'm like, this is great. They need to get some ideas about what they like by having some experiences, but within a, a context that works for them. Because the one kid would have done eight. And I'm like, that's too many. You need to regulate. And the other one would have been like, no, never. <laughs> so... I don't know. I feel I, you talk about it. I guess any kind of tactic that's helpful to moderate behavior is probably going to be something you we would do with your kids at some point. I don't know. Well, <laughs> that's that's such my a, relationship to it. So that's where I go. Sorry. Well, and that's such a good example of when it comes to like fitness and, you know, weight loss or just improving health, or whatever it is, it, it has to be tailored to the individual. Because just like you talking to your two kids there, those approaches have to be very different. And so we're so used to seeing in the, the industry of people like, well, I had a friend that lost weight doing this way, or I, I saw someone online lose weight and they did it this way. But it's like, well, you know, are you the exact same person as that, as that one? Mm -hmm. You know, like these, there's some core principles that need to be behind it. And that's where like I come into play of like understanding that, but then also um, what, what Dr. J is, is put together is this, 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 the system of figuring out the individual and, and doing that. And just because a plan doesn't work for you doesn't mean that it, you're at fault. And that, that's what we're trying to get away from in this space too, because so many people have like, well, I'm not good enough or I failed or, you know, I don't have enough willpower or motivation or any of these different things. I'm like, well, you know, it's, it could have been just the wrong program for you. And so mm -hmm. uh, exploring and figuring out what works best. And, and, and I think that's going to have the best long-term effect for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, it's interesting to me having watched the the out from the outside fitness culture and diet culture. I mean, there's still, I think, a lot of things that are rooted in some questionable assumptions, I'll say. But I also feel like there's been a, a rise to kind of like what you guys are doing to try and really be present to there's there are healthier ways to go about achieving health, I guess. Uh, but what's your perspective on that? Um I think the, I, I think part of the problem is some of the old school marketing still works a little bit. And mm -hmm. so that kind of gets ingrained into like, that's the way it needs to be. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if I show an amazing before and after transformation picture, like that's going to attract a certain group of people, but it's also mm -hmm. going to scare away the vast majority of people. And so a lot of, a lot of this, what we see in this fitness culture is it's the, um, you know, it's, when we look at like gyms and, and, and places like that, they're, they're kind of going after these people that are already really into fitness. And what we're trying to do is make this so that like the people that have never worked out before, you know, they're, they're feeling like they can't do a strict diet of like where we have a, a, a place and opportunity for them to have success and not give up everything that they love and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And it's also like the, most of the trainers and coaches out there are, are are young, somewhat in shape. And so for them to eat out of Tupperware and count their calories and macros and work out every single day, isn't something that's, you know, odd to them, but they got to understand that the vast majority of the population, you know, is going to be working having families and having other priorities. And this has got to be something that, um, they, they want to shift in the right direction, but they can't commit the whole life to it as possibly you can. So kind of those, those different kind of shifts that were mm -hmm. kind of trend in that direction. I also think that, Increasingly, there's more information about things that we're supposed to keep in mind if we want to feel better and look better. And that includes sleep. It includes relationships. It includes stress management, all of those things. And I like to post about those a lot because I like to try to help people think about it in their daily routine. Because otherwise, what's happening is we've got I'm reading this or I'm seeing a post on, I, I need to have seven to nine hours of sleep and I need to have relationships that encourage and support me and I need to manage my stress. And so people can start ticking all that away and going, oh my God, like where do I begin and how do I get all this done? So instead it's like, well, if I just cut my calories way back or eat broccoli and chicken for a week, then that'll solve it. Mm -hmm. And so the marketing is that way, the, the, the approaches are that way because everybody wants an easy and a fast button. Like we mm -hmm. all do, I do. But what works is, is different from that. And so I think that more of that information about foundational things that if you, it, it's just like a house, right? If you build a strong foundation, everything else can work on top of that. If the foundation is, is weak and unsteady, it doesn't matter how nice you build everything else. And so I think it's really about 
now helping people, and, and Scott referenced it earlier, the information implementation gap, is there doesn't have to be, oh, this, this is my, my, my whole hour I spend thinking about sleep, and then another hour of my day I have to think about relationships, and then another in overwhelming, but it's just really integrating it to a foundational piece that makes everything else easier. Because I know at the end of the day, if I'm collapsing on the couch because I'm so stressed and so tired, if I can get better sleep, if I can parcel out even 15 minutes just to decompress mentally throughout the day, have little breaks, then the likelihood when I get home, I might have a little bit more energy to go take the dog for a walk or, or make food instead of running through the drive-through, right? Mm -hmm. But so, so people feel like they have to restrict and we're really trying to say like, hey, we've got all this great information that's now being disseminated. Let's figure out how to build that into your lives that it actually makes everything easier. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's great. And it like and obviously I'm aligned with your methodology because I have some had some of those habits. Um I I have a question around I'm and I'm not sure the best way to phrase this, like like sort of the systemic issues we have around fitness. I I've traveled some and I recently had to go to Europe for work. Oh, poor me. No, it was great. But um I'm so much healthier there. The, like I eat better, I get more exercise and it's just, and some of it is just, that's how it's set up. Like I don't use a car, I use public transit and right. the food is very fresh. And, and so I come, and then anytime I've done that, it's been a couple of times in my life, I've been over there and I'm, I come back and I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that here. That's, I'm just, I'm going to make, and then I like spend a week butting my head up against how impossible it is. And then I go back to driving my car. This time I actually got a bike and I'm biking twice a week. So that's exciting to commute. But I'm like, how long is that going to last? Because it is really difficult. And I don't live in the worst place for that. I mean, how I, I don't know, that's kind of a rambly thing. But that that systemic challenge that people face when they try to make that shift, because so much of how we do things takes us away from it, healthy behaviors like driving everywhere and like you said that like the ease of fast food as opposed to support for people like I guess the work from home thing is helping with that but that rambly question thoughts <laughs> clarification if you need it <laughs> yeah go ahead so I think a couple of things and and I definitely don't want to be the expert on various cultures and all the things but yeah um, I have some experience in Europe as well, and what and my mom was born and raised there, and and I have family there. And what I do know is geographically, it's much much smaller and tighter than the United States. And so you can have a lot of people in a small area in a farm right outside of town where you can do fresh and get fresh food into that town. And so the opportunity to put fast food on every corner to um, drive there, th there's literally not enough land to do that. Mm -hmm. And the way that we have in many parts of the United States. So we, and then on top of that, we also have a culture that very much says, and, and if you look at social media at all, is you can do everything and all of it. And it, it's, which is not necessarily bad as compared to times when it was people had to only be in certain lanes, women do this, men do this, or whatever cultural narratives there were. But now it's constantly like, you got this and you can do more. And on top of your full-time job and your, your kids, you can start another company and you should be able to do all this philanthropy and you should, like, there's no end. And so we run ourselves pretty high and hot and so therefore, kind of going back to my previous point, the, the physical proximity of things for many of us does require a car. We, we don't have, it's, it's not functional for communities to have the same degree of public transportation because they won't have as many users, therefore they can't maintain it. The second part uh, of that too is that because of the way that we're running, we have to be thoughtful of, are we sleeping enough? Are we doing some of the things that I talked about before? And then we just have to be more conscious of, we have this plethora of options, then it becomes which choices do I make? And maybe I still run through fast food, but I just make a different choice when I'm there. Or mm -hmm. I go to a different pseudo fast food, or and then I move to maybe making a meal or two at home, or doing that on weekends and being prepped, depending on your brain and how you work. So that would be sort of one of my comments on that. I don't know if you have 
Well, I even thought this when I've been to um, downtown Chicago. Like, I don't drive there because it is a huge pain to find parking. Then I'm paying a lot for parking and just getting around and stuff like that. And I feel like the the, the people that when I'm walking down are are, are a t- typically a little more fit than the, the the typical Midwestern kind of town too. And it's just like what she was talking about of just the the ability to have the space and the the density of the population. So my point being is like that's where it comes back to to working with an individual again and, and figuring out kind of what is the goal that we're trying to achieve. What you talked about is the environment is key. Like what what can you do set up your house wise, whether that's like, okay, are you a person that will do it at home workout? I have some people that do great at it. I have some people that that do terrible at it just because they like that interaction of other people. So a small group is better for them. So it's just really coming back to like really knowing the individual um, and then after knowing the individual, setting up the environment for success for that. So they're doing the things that they will, they like to do and also doing things that line up with their ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. And that, and it, where we can't necessarily control the larger environment, we can make some choices around, hopefully, our immediate environment that can be more towards our goals. Um, so we're heading into holiday season. I I uh, have Halloween candy already in my house, and I may have already snacked on it. So I'm confident this is a time when people are. I don't think I'm alone. So, <laughs> do you have any advice for for balancing you know healthy behaviors, this integration process, and the delights of the season? Yeah, I think it's clear. On again, we we talk a lot about the individual, but the the goal at hand too. Like, I'm big on having people of like telling people that, that food and, and drinks can enhance an experience. And I'm all for that. Like when I'm traveling overseas, like I want to enhance experience. If it's something like uh, a birthday for my child or a family event, like that's an, that's an experience and, and, and food can definitely enhance that. But also understanding like Tuesday afternoon lunch is an experience. And so really knowing the difference there, again, go, trying to stay away from the extremes of like, I'm not going to have you know, any alcohol and no sugar and just like lean meats and vegetables for the next, you know, 60 days and be like, well, you know, we, we might need to, you know, have more uh, vegetables in our diet. We might need to drink more water. We might need to cut down the cookie dough a little bit, but that doesn't mean we can't have it at, at all. And just kind of figuring out where that really works in. Um, there's also periods that I'm, I'm working with clients of, of where we're going through. This is a period where we're going through, we're trying to actively um, make bigger progress towards our goals. So say weight loss is the one. And there's periods where we're trying to maintain that. And th- there's certain times through the year, if, if we're working with people long enough of like, just kind of planning that out. Like usually that kind of Thanksgiving to like New Year's is, is one of the hardest times to get someone to change. But again, it comes down to the individual and when they're starting and stuff like that. But for some of my clients who've been doing a good job and on, on a good path of like, well, let's just, let's just work on kind of maintaining what we've lost because um, we, we've had great success with doing the things. Now we can, we can loosen it up just a little bit and enjoy some more of these other things without worrying about it. And then, you know, reevaluate at the beginning of the year. So it's so really kind of stepping back and figuring out exactly where you want to go, what you've been doing and, and seeing what that looks like. And I'll just add a couple things. The one that Scott was talking about this maintain and, you know, Scott and I always talk about this because main, maintenance doesn't sound sexy, mm-hmm. but if we think about this season, just like we did, you were talking about running earlier. And if I'm going to run a marathon, well, if you follow running, because I used to do long distance running as well, if you follow running protocols, once you hit a certain mileage, you sit there for a bit. Mm -hmm. And then you add on some mileage. And so the notion of any sort of growth or just overall success, and you can think of truly so many examples of this, plateauing, or maintenance is actually part of the process to many, many goals in any way of learning or perform. Like you have to think about it that way as well. So, so I like to remind people that when we hit a plateau or if there's maintenance, um, that's actually amazing. And during the holiday season, if you can get through it without putting on a bunch of weight or completely dumping your, your regular diet, that's a success story in and of itself. So it doesn't have to be this extreme. And to Scott's point about um, enhancing experience, I like to remind people of it much like they do their finances. We all have things that we splurge on, that Mm -hmm. like that was a splurge or that's that little extra. But if we did that every day, all day, we would be way out of money or in some sort of like, 
So most of us understand that notion into adulthood of I either need to save for this or this is a splurge. This is something special. This will enhance my experience, whether it's a vacation or a special dinner out or something like that. But it's not something we do every day. And oftentimes what people do is um, they have an all in or all out mentality. So these extremes that we talk about. So if I can't be all in on my chicken and broccoli, whatever, then I'm all out and the holiday season be what it is and bring it all on. And, and, and then what it does is it lends to another extreme where I have to overconsume because I know January 1st, I'm gonna restrict again. So trying to get out of that mentality. And then the other nice thing about maintenance or plateau is it helps the brain not self-sabotage. Because if I go into the holiday season still wanting to lose weight, and it's not moving forward, but it's just sitting there. And in my head, success only means losing weight. Then over time, I might self-sabotage myself because the pressure is too much. I'm thinking about willpower. I'm thinking about motivation. I'm beating myself up. And so that mindset and then how you articulate your goals during different seasons of your life or different seasons of the year even is super important uh, to, to help you continue to have positive impact even if that positive impact is not going backwards. Mm -hmm. That's that actually feels really true to my experience that if I, if I have unrealistic expectations, I have a much higher likelihood of disappointment and sabotage. Whereas if I set a realistic goal, like you said, it may not be sexy, but it is effective. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that sounds, that sounds like a great guidance. Um, so here's a, an off, off book question, but what, what hobby of yours do you think would surprise folks, you know, <laughs> or hobby interest, or hobby or interest? It could be a guilty pleasure, like a reality show. <laughs> That's interesting. Hobby. I think for me, um, I don't know why he's laughing, um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I like, so I would say there's probably two that people go, oh, I'll, I like to do inversions. So I like to work on handstands, headstands, things like that. And people that see me more professionally or otherwise, that just doesn't occur to them. Like, okay, that's kind of interesting. And, uh, and then I do love watching reality TV shows. It's like this, it's like this psychological sponge for me of just watching and observing and like, did they really say that? And then figuring out the context and things like that. So I would definitely say those are my two of mine. I would say this one for me is, is one, I just, I, I typically see when I'm out, like I'm, since I'm in the health profession, like people are always amazed that I will drink some alcohol occasionally. I will, like when there's chips and guac, like I'm going through a massive amount of <laughs> Like the amount of food that I will eat in, in a setting. It's impressive. Um, like it's a lot. And they're like, well, you know, I thought because you were a trainer and a gym owner, you wouldn't do this. I'm like, I'm still a person and I'm a human. Like I, I still enjoy these things. Yes, enhancing that experience. <laughs> I do. And I'm like, like and guac, dude. Yeah, I love them just and guac. Um, but like throughout the week, like I just don't keep it on my house. And so, you know, it's, it's very easy to, to, for me to kind of maintain that. Um, and then, occasion was there just it, it's, it's it's something that I really enjoy um and it's just always surprising when people are like holy cow that is a, a lot that you're putting down <laughs> that's awesome um so if what and I I asked this question but I'll I'll, fr I'll probably frame it a little differently in terms of you know what's your best advice in it can be about health and fitness or just general either the someone gave you or I don't know if you've ever had this experience where someone asks you for advice and you hear something come out of your mouth and you're like oh wow I gotta remember that <laughs> like I don't know where that came from so either one of those <laughs> if you have anything to impart uh love to hear it yeah I'll kick this one off so one of the things and this is what one of the things I originally started working with Dr. Jay on is, is she does um um, disc profile testing she does uh EQ testing and uh, values assessments and it's something that we do for, for all our potential hires at, at my facility. And so it's something that she did for, for myself and my business partner and myself and my, my wife as well. And just interesting, like when we talk about like all this fitness plan, like the better you know yourself, 
um, the, the better that you're going to be able to pick, you know, your, what profession you're going to be good at. Also, like what's super important is like what partner you're going to have and even looking at people you're going to hire because a lot of people, and I was like this too, of like, I just wanted to hire people like me, or if I wanted a partner just like me, but that's not, might not be the best partner to have because we need to have a, a different skill sets. And even though I'm going to be attracted to that person because I, I'm going to like people like me, it, it's not going to be the best long-term fit. And so finding people, whether it's like who we're hiring, um, who your significant other is, who your business partner is, um, key employees in business, and even just you knowing yourself for what path you're going to go in life of, of getting to, to understand and know yourself better, I think it's just going to make better decisions for you moving forward. Yeah, and, and I think that I would say, uh, I mean, I like to tell people that uh, most things should be a journey, not an outcome, and that helps you think about goals differently. But the mm -hmm. other thing that I think I, I would really articulate is um, in related to I'm trying to think of how, how I want to word this. Language is important. And what I mean by that is oftentimes by the time we get to adulthood, we sort of have a general vocabulary we like to use. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is oftentimes we get into habits of using language that doesn't necessarily actually reflect how we're feeling. And so we see this a lot with, with um, clients and, and people that we work with is they come in and they say certain things that are their goals but their goals that it's language they've heard in marketing or someone mm. else has said. And when you peel back and say, why, why do you want weight loss? Or why do you want um, to get more muscle? Or why do you want, what does healthier mean to you? We start to unravel and figure out that what they're really wanting is to play with their grandchildren. And the pant size doesn't matter as much. It's just the mobility, the ability and the stamina. Or it may be because they have a perception that this weight means healthier and which they don't always correlate. And I could go on and on whether it's health and fitness or other things. So language really matters. And so I always encourage people to do two things. One is if it's you, start to work with somebody, whether it's a friend, whether it's, it's a professional on articulating what you want and start playing with different words and different things and, and, and have that person ask you more questions and keep pushing to get more out of there because once we can better articulate our needs, we ourselves are much better at accessing supports for that. And then those are work, those that are working with us can as well. And then if you're the professional or you're the receiver of the language, um, understand that we all have our own, our own biases. So literally what we hear can be very different than the intent that someone says. So slow down, ask questions. What do you mean by that? Even if it's a common English vocabulary word, ask those questions and make sure that what your perception of what they're saying is actually matching up with theirs. And it's amazing that once that, once you really pay attention to the words that we use and, and the meaning of those, and we can kind of tighten those up a little bit. It's just amazing the directions and the doors that open for people, whether it's in business, whether it's for your own uh, personal journey, whatever it is, even with kiddos, right? You have different mm -hmm. kiddos. They might use the same word and they mean very different things. So. <laughs> no, it's really true. You learn a lot. I, I think I personally found um, the, the adventure of parenting to be a, a journey of self-awareness I guess like I when my kids were very young I was their primary influencer and I could see how quickly my behavior became behavior for them and so it's sort of like a life hack so I was like oh I don't have to actually do anything to change them really if I just change myself they're cop and they do they copy you so if you just if you decide you want a behavior and you figure out what you're doing to cause it it's very easily quit fixed <laughs> if you're that primary influencer um so yeah, no, I, I hear that. But you have to see what's happening and really engage it. Um, and, it, and, you know, we've all got our, our blind spots, unfortunately. That's why I, I personally think coaches and, and support people and good friends. I have what I call a council of advisors. I have some friends who I'm like, look, you guys know me. There are certain decisions I'm not allowed to make unsupervised anymore. We're just done with that. <laughs> <laughs> two of them have to agree before I can go forward. <laughs> That's the rule. And it's, it's great. You know, and obviously I'm an adult woman. I make my own choices, but I also recognize like, 
I need I need that support and I want it. I guess some people maybe don't or maybe they don't want it, but um, I feel I don't know. I, I feel like it helps. So. Um, so you guys, you're doing this work. It sounds great. Um, someone wants to get involved. Do they, do they go to your website? Do they work with you specifically? You said you mostly work with coaches. Do you work with uh, normal people who are not studying to be coaches? How does that go? So, so the main thing that, that we're doing together is, is educating uh, coaches. And so if, if anybody's in that field or interested in that, and it's amazing a lot of people you know, switching careers and getting into that, it's um, healthybehavioristitute.com. And that's, that's how to really learn how to do this. But uh, we, we also have a bunch of coaches who've gone through the program, and I still own a, a gym and have coaches and stuff like that. So we, we have people, if someone's looking for a coach to help them with that, if they want to figure out the path that's for them, that's not the traditional all-in approach, like they can do, definitely do that too. So you know, fi finding my email on um, Healthy Behavior Institute or looking up Scott Schutte on Instagram or Facebook and messaging me, um, I'm happy to point them in the direction of, of, of a coach that could be beneficial um, and help them find that, that, that individualized approach for them. That's great. I mean, I think it's a, a great time to to get into that. Um, I, I don't know. I think that this time of year can be a great time to kind of prep yourself for the, the onslaught of uh, emotional eating that can occur. That's my special. That's my favorite one. <laughs> It's like, oh, I feel bad. And there's Halloween candy right here. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be great. I wouldn't open it until actually Halloween. But those days are past, I guess. Um, let's see. I, I mean, I have a lot of other questions, but I don't know. Is there anything specific you guys wanted to chat about? Or um, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I really love this topic. I, I, I've always found the way people behave and choose things and then health for whatever reason, I'm super geeky about that kind of stuff in a, a casual way. I haven't studied it in any way like you guys. So I, I could talk all day about it. So is there something specific that you think people would be interested in or that you're excited to share? Well, it's really kind of going back to that that minimal effective dose approach because I, I really want to, you know, kind of hound on that because we're, we're so used against that. And then uh, what Dr. J was talking earlier about the the EATS principle, like those are the, the, the two, like when we're talking – to just kind of uh, the the general population, like if you can get those two things down, like that's just a, a big step in the right direction of, mm -hmm. of going out of this cycle of like diet hard, fail, you know, kind of rebound back and kind of the vicious cycle of, of that um, lose and gain, lose and gain of just kind of, of, of making that mind shift of like, oh, I can do it a different way. It doesn't have to be um, a huge sacrifice. I'm going to be a little bit slower out of the gate, but I'm going to be able to stick with a, lo a longer term, which is ultimately the, the goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I would also say thinking about being healthy as truly an individualized journey. So it's not um, when you turn 40, this, when you turn 50, this um, different people um, go through life, just like some of our bodies move better than others for certain types of things and others for this, or, it's an individualized journey. And so don't limit yourself based on certain societal benchmarks. And really also, um, I'm hoping to see more people feel empowered to um, impact their health in a way that isn't reliant on someone telling them what's wrong and having to fix it. And we are so fortunate to have exceptional um, medical and care and opportunities. And so I never, you know, I'm not like, oh, don't go see that but that there are things that we can do for ourselves and empower ourselves, but that also we can enjoy that aren't that hard and we can truly just build into our lives. And then we've talked a little bit about parenting and parents, you know, by and large just love the heck out of their children and they typically want better for their children even than they had. So to your point about what can I do for me that then is that model for my kiddos or allows me to be around longer or more active with them or more engaged. And so uh, it's back to that analogy of putting the oxygen mask on yourself first. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm a mom and, and I hear that and I'm like, yeah, I get it. But yeah. And so I'm not saying that's easy, but just kind of that little bit of that mindset of it is very important and good to take care of yourself and enjoy the process. It's not one more thing that you should sacrifice. 
it's just finding that rhythm for you and then giving yourself that grace to be on a journey instead of, I got to nail this in 12 weeks. <laughs> 12, exactly. I've got to schedule, got to check it off. Yeah. got to get my letters, got to move on. <laughs> yeah. I remember when the, my kids started elementary school, I remember when I was a kid, we had like three recesses. They had one 20 minute go outside and gym like 30 minutes twice a week. I was just like, okay, I can kind of see where some of our problems are happening. <laughs> that is not enough time for a nine-year-old to be like seven hours at a desk with 20 minutes like to eat and move their body. Like that's to me. And I do think there's plenty of research that shows that's maybe not enough. Like, <laughs> and it certainly doesn't build healthy habits when they're like having to sit like this. So I hope that's changed. I haven't looked at it recently, but that was my, my soapbox for a little while was I was just like, what are we doing? <laughs> we talk about all of these health issues and then we set our schools up like this. These two things do not add up. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's a great example too, then where, um, there's some things like that that most of us don't have much control over as far as what the school day, for example, looks like. But what has changed is, you know, my mom would just have us run around the neighborhood all afternoon and then at some point find us. Mm -hmm. and, um, and a lot of communities and situations have changed where that's not really as feasible. And so, but if they're not getting it during the day while they're away from us, then what can we do to support that for ourselves in them at the same time? Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I saw a woman this morning running with a, it reminded me of myself and except I did it wrong back then. Um, Cause it didn't, it didn't work for me is she had a jogging stroller, a double jogging stroller and two dogs. And she was taking a jog with the two kiddos. What she did right is she had the jogging stroller, the one kid in front of the other. So it was narrower. And then, and my dogs were trained. They were great to run with, but I had the double wide mm -hmm. trying to get that around any corner in, on a sidewalk. is just an absolute nightmare. And so I, I finally was like, I, I can't, I can't do this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tip them all the way over. It's just <laughs> not going to work. But it, it, it just made me think of if there's a will, there's a way, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the hardest way. You know, like for me, my double wide, like why keep doing that? Figure out a different way to get my run in and get my kids outside, things like that. So it's just kind of tweaking that and thinking about that and, and knowing that you get to do that if that's what you want. It's just sort of how to how to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whenever I... Uh a listener at Titan this is when I was a kid, we knew that when the streetlights came on, our mothers expected us home to eat. I'm like, yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly. <laughs> it was a de definitely a different world. They used to have commercials actually at like eight o'clock at night in the early eighties. You're like, do you know where your kids are? Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's just like, Hmm. But yeah, it's like that recognizing that there's those changes and I just want to really cycle back to that, what you said of it doesn't have to be the hardest way possible. That's actually a goal I have right now of recognizing that it doesn't have to be the hardest way possible. So because I feel like it's it's a mental habit that I get into is I can be I can be a little bit like a steamroller in my life and in myself. But sometimes that is just that means I'm trying to do it the hardest way possible. There might be another way to achieve the same goal that doesn't require me to steamroll myself and or anything else. So I really appreciate you pointing that out because I think that's also for those of us who can be kind of goal driven. It can be good to remember that 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 gentleness or that balance that you're talking about is is not um I don't know, giving up or weakness or whatever it is, I decide that it is. It's, it's, you know, being gentle with myself is okay. I could still well, achieve also, my goals. <laughs> yeah. It's also related to that perfection thing. Like for me with the double wide, I tried for so long because I'm like, I should be able to get this and this should work. People that they, they built, I literally in my head, I was like, they build double wide jogging strollers. So some people must be able to use these effectively. I should figure this out. And instead of going, what's my goal? My goal is just to get my run in, the dogs get exercise, my kids get outside. And, and that's just the goal. How can I get to it? 
But mm -hmm. for so long, I was stuck on how many can, can I get my five miles with? Like, I mean, it was it was just it was silly, and so I made it way too harder on my too too hard on myself. And so it's even that it's not giving in or giving up. It's just reminding yourself what was your actual goal here, mm -hmm. and then how can you get that done, and not that it has to look this way. Mm -hmm. That's super great advice. Thank you. I appreciate you both for taking the time to to chat with me and um, folks that are paying attention. Thanks for being here, Titan. I haven't seen you in a while. Um, and yeah, folks, you should check out, I'm going to post it up here again, uh, the healthybehaviorinstitute.com. So they primarily work with coaches. Uh, however, if you look up Scott Chute on the site, uh, he might be able to direct you to a coach that uh, uses these tactics and information to pro guide their uh, clients to physical and other healthy choices. Uh, so I encourage you to do that, uh, especially if you, like me, are um, wanting to continue to be active in your life. And uh, is there anything else you guys want to say or I'll besides, you know. <laughs> Thank you very much for having us. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Enjoyed thanks for having it. us. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm my pleasure, really. I think this is so important to, especially to have more positive, engaging conversations around health. Cause you're right. There's a lot of messages that sort of you walk away going, gosh, I'm, I feel bad. I'm going to go have a candy bar, you know? <laughs> and and I, I feel kind of uplifted. I'm like, maybe I'll take my dog to the dog park after this. Like, <laughs> this is a nice, nice, nice reminder. So thank you so much. Um, and in two weeks, we're back on schedule. We're going to have uh, Dr. Dora Wolf come on the show. I've been talking to her about this for a couple months and I'm super excited. She is a mental health mentor. So in a, in a different aspect of life, but similarly, she went from providing direct services to recognizing that sometimes people need a mental health coach um, as opposed to just like therapy, but actually some guidance on how to enact those practices. I'm making a little bit up because we haven't had her on the show yet. So if you tune in in a couple weeks, you'll learn what that means. And if I was wrong, feel free to correct me. <laughs> uh, as always, uh, the show will be up on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And I hope that you will uh, pass it on if you found it interesting so that more key people can hear about how to engage in healthy behaviors. Thank you all so much for being here and have a great day.